Welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas escaped by Oklahoma State 72 to 67 in Stillwater. And Kansas' Big 12 title hopes are still alive, even though Texas Tech won at TCU yesterday and Kansas State won at home to Baylor yesterday. KU is still technically in the race. They need to get a loss from either K-State or Texas Tech. Sorry, both K-State and Texas Tech. But this game itself had some really intriguing performances. It was a really interesting game to kind of cover just from the sheer fact that it was a 50-50 split of fans, I would say. It felt like a lot of the lower bowl was filled with Oklahoma State fans. And then a lot of the upper bowl, though, was filled with KU fans. There was a lot of blue kind of up top. And I felt like towards the end of the game, you could really hear kind of both fans going back and forth with it. Not talking or anything, but more of just anytime something happened, it would get loud. And... You know, Oklahoma State would make a bucket and it would get loud, and then KU would come down and make a bucket and it would get loud. And it just kind of reminded me more of almost what you see in March sometimes in the NCAA tournament where there are two teams that have really big fan bases that kind of just go back and forth throughout the game and it's always loud. And that's what I kind of felt like was the case yesterday. And I felt like for the most part, for the most part, Kansas did a pretty good job of dealing with what noise there was. It was not as hostile of an environment as you would face at K-State in Bramlage or at Texas Tech, but it was still, it did get loud at times, and I think that it maybe it, it's not one of those environments where, you know, it's going to shake you to your bones, but it was definitely loud enough where it would have an effect on the play on the court. But, so in general, Kansas for this game came back, you could say, in the second half. Um, they played halfway decent in the first half. There were definitely some stretches, though, without Devon Dotson on the floor where KU really struggled. It was towards the end of the first half, and Oklahoma State went on uh, a pretty big run to get back into the game. It was when Devon Dotson wasn't on the court, and Charlie Moore was the point guard at the time. And I honestly did not think that Devon Dotson, in general, played very well on the road. Um... Uh, struggled with fouls again, didn't shoot the ball efficiently, had some turnovers, didn't get as many assists as I would anticipate for him on the road, finished with five turnovers, four assists. You want that ratio to be flip-flopped where you've got the more assists than turnovers, but it wasn't the case for Devon. But down the stretch, he was able to be on the court, and I think that that really did make a difference for KU. Um, There were moments down the stretch, I mean, at the eight-minute mark, KU's down by five, and then throughout kind of down the stretch they would fall behind by a couple scores and then tie it back up and then fall behind by a couple scores and then tie it back up it was really a seesaw sort of game but Oklahoma State actually led for what you would have to say is the majority of the contest they were ahead for 22 minutes and 10 seconds and Kansas only held a lead for 14 minutes and 22 seconds so I really struggle to call this like an epic comeback for KU just because there were points where they led by as many as much as seven um, in the second half. But to give away that lead, I think, was very typical of Kansas on the road this season. We've seen them give away big leads at TCU, at West Virginia, and even, I mean, to some degree at Baylor. Um, but I really felt like KU did 
hold its own down the stretch. You know, there's the sequence where Quentin Grimes got on the floor, forced to jump ball when Kansas was down three, 67 to 64. And then the next possession, Ojai Baji swings it to Grimes on the right wing. He makes a three to tie the game. And then a couple minutes later, there's a possession where um, KU is up by one, 68 to 67. And, and Grimes ended up closing out on Thomas Zogbois and had his hand up and at first jumped up for a pump fake, but he didn't shoot it and then came down and tried to do another pump fake, but Grimes didn't move after that and stayed with it. And he ended up shooting an air ball, which was then recovered by KU. Diedrich Lawson goes down, makes two free throws. KU is then up by three. And this is where things got um, interesting for Kansas, dare I say. On the last possession, uh, Oklahoma State ran an action, and KU had been switching on the perimeter like they had in weeks past. And the way that they ran this action, it makes it really hard to switch just because your timing has to be absolutely perfect and everyone has to be on the same exact page. And according to Bill Self, he talked about the action. I think that they had an inkling that that would maybe come. And Bill Self had told them, hey, you know, you guys aren't going to be able to switch as cleanly. And basically, Waters ended up wide open, missed the shot, which would have uh, tied the game. And Kansas then gets the rebound, makes two free throws, the game's over. But after the game, I thought that this was very interesting. So Quentin Grimes took the blame and said, yeah, that was my, you know, that was a miscommunication. I'll take that. You know, that's my bad. Ojai Baji then comes out and says, yeah, that was Quentin's mistake. That was Quentin's mistake, basically. And then Phil Self comes and then says that, oh, it was actually Ojai's mistake. So I really think that, you know, Personally, I think I'm, I go with Bill Self on this. I do think that it was on Ochai, but still, it doesn't matter. Um, Waters missed the shot. Ochai went and made two free throws. The game was over. Kansas comes away with a really crucial win on the road. Um, as for my player of the game, Quentin Grimes was absolutely phenomenal. I maybe didn't do him a solid and didn't make him the best player in the game for the gamer. Um, I felt like Diedrich Lawson at that time before I could kind of let the performance sink in. I thought that Diedrich was the best player on the floor for Kansas. But then kind of as I was making the way to the media room postgame, I was thinking back of just the highlights in my head of the things that KU did well and didn't do well. And I really felt like Quentin Grimes was the best player on the court. And I think that just that little stretch where he forced the jump ball, came down, made the three, and then had that great defense. I think those are winning plays that Kansas has needed from him this season, and I think that they got him. So Grimes, in his 36 minutes of play, that's a team high. He finished with 17 points on an efficient 6 of 11 shooting, four rebounds, three assists, three turnovers, a steal, plus minus, plus six. I thought that in general, he was great. He was aggressive in the first half. He looked to get his shot. I think he had seven of Kansas' first 14 points. He was KU's leading scorer at halftime. In general, that first half from him was awesome. I loved what you saw from him trying to get to the rim, but also not necessarily forcing up shots, but he shot the ball with confidence. And I don't think there's any player on this team that when they shoot the ball, you can tell if they're shooting with confidence or not. With Grimes, it's 
for me, when I look at Grimes when he shoots the ball, the first thing I look at is you. I look at the lift and the way his legs are. Because if he is shooting the ball confidently, he gets a, a really nice lift on the ball. And that allows him to get a nice arc. Not like a Steph Curry arc where it goes you know, up into the moon, but a really nice arc for the ball. And then when he's not shooting the ball confidently, his legs kind of die down a little bit. And it ends up being more of a line drive shot, a la Marcus Garrett, you could say. And... I felt like in the first half and even the second half, Grimes shot the ball with a lot of confidence. He was getting lift on his shot. I thought just an overall, a great game from him. Defensively, he's been so active, and this is something that I think has changed since weeks ago, is Grimes' activity on the defensive end. Against Kansas State, he was flying around screens when they would hedge, and then when they would switch, he would... Um, hold his own against bigger guys or even smaller guards. I just think in general, the defensive end for Grimes has really started to develop. And that's something that he said after the game was that he feels like his biggest area of growth in the past couple weeks has been on the defensive end. And that he said that defense for him translates into offense because he knows that everyone has confidence in him and what he can do on the offensive end. It's just about what he can do on the defensive end. So moving on, Deidre Glosson, I thought, was really good. I I think he was his usual reliable Diedrich Lawson self. He got his numbers, 20 points, 15 rebounds. I mean, he was so good. In the second half especially, you know, he drew six fouls in the game, made nine of nine free throws. Just in general, this was a great game for Diedrich Lawson. He didn't score the ball from the floor efficiently, but when he that kind of started to happen, he missed his first three shots. What you saw from him is he tried to go and get to the free throw line. You saw him be really aggressive in the post, not deferring, not looking to maybe uh, step out as much. He was in the post and really was like, okay, I'm going to get to the free throw line now. And I think that he did an incredible job of that. On top of that, 11 defensive rebounds was incredible for Kansas. This was a game where KU out-rebounded. Oklahoma State 41 to 34. Diedrich Lawson played a huge role in that on the boards. And I think because, you know, the game plan for Kansas against an Oklahoma State team that did not have much depth at big, you could really tell that it was to go and draw fouls. Diedrich Lawson drew six fouls, Mitch Lightfoot drew five fouls. Those are your two big men. And then, I mean, David McCormick on top of that drew two fouls himself in 10 minutes. So from your bigs, you drew 13 fouls. That's a big deal. And I think that that was really important to keep Ane off the floor for Oklahoma State. Diedrich Lawson also made a three, so we have to start up that streak again of Diedrich Lawson consecutive games with the made three. His streak ended against Kansas State, so that's going to start up again, you would assume, with him playing on the perimeter as much. No assist for Diedrich this game. I think that he did play a little bit more in the post with Kansas playing a four-guard lineup with Marcus Garrett at the four. But I think in general, just a good game from Diedrich Lawson and something that I guess you could really, what you've expected from him this season and what you can expect going forward. And before I dive into another player performance, I really thought that this was interesting from Kansas. Um... The lineups that they used, the most used lineup that they had in this game was the the four-guard lineup with Devon Dotson, Quentin Grimes, Ochai Abaji, Marcus Garrett, and Diedrich Lawson. Just from the eye test, that felt like the best lineup for Kansas. 
just because Marcus Garrett is a guy that maybe doesn't bring much on the offensive end, but he is such a smart player that on the road, you need kind of those high IQ players to read defenses, to communicate with teammates. So I think that it's not really a surprise that in this road game that Marcus Garrett was one of the unsung heroes, honestly, just from the fact that he offered that security blanket for Bill Self that he really has needed at points this season and didn't necessarily have while Garrett was out. But in that eight minutes and 10 seconds, Kansas outscored Oklahoma State 18-7, only turned the ball over once. I really thought that this was the lineup of the game for Kansas. The starting lineup itself is good because it gets Dave McCormick some minutes early on in the game. Sometimes he can settle down. I think that, honestly, in the first five minutes of this game, I thought Dave McCormick was okay compared to how he's been this season as the starter. You know, he got fouled on one occasion, made a layup on another, and got a couple defensive rebounds, which is always good for him that he kind of, we figured out that he struggles with that. But that starting lineup was a minus one, got outscored 10 to nine in six minutes. In addition, they had four turnovers. That's the most out of any lineup that Kansas used. I think that when Kansas does go to the two bigs with Dave McCormick at the five, they're much more turnover prone just because at times when McCormick gets the ball, it turns into a black hole just because teams will crowd him and he will kind of panic and try and do something with the ball that maybe isn't something that you should try to do. He'll try and force a pass or try and force a move and he ends up getting stripped or throws the ball away. But going forward, I really do think that Kansas should continue to use David McCormick as a starting center just so Mitch Lightfoot doesn't come in and get quick fouls. I mean, you saw uh, a little bit in this game, he picked up a really quick foul. And I think for Lightfoot, getting to see the flow of the game where he can come in and make a difference, I think is also big because Lightfoot can fill so many different roles for Kansas. He can be a post presence of sorts. He can play on the perimeter. He can, I mean, he got three assists in this game. That's something different that he hasn't done. That's a career high for him. So I think Mitch Lightfoot being able to see the game and figure out what he needs to do to affect it, I think that that is also really important for him. One last note on the lineups with Mitch Lightfoot. The lineup with two bigs, Mitch Lightfoot, Diedrich Lawson, Grimes, Abaji, and Dotson, that was Kansas's best point differential lineup of the evening. They went on to a 14-2 run in 4 minutes and 19 seconds when they had that lineup on the floor. Only one turnover with five assists. So a really... That lineup for Kansas was really good. I thought Mitch Lightfoot was great. Couldn't necessarily play him down the stretch just because you have you know, so many shooters for Oklahoma State. You'd much rather have a Marcus Garrett out there defending. But I think, in general, a good performance from Mitch Lightfoot, good performance from Kansas. And now you're kind of at the point where you're just hoping for some other help from other Big 12 schools. I don't know if you're going to get it. But in general, I think that this was a, a good game for Kansas going forward. You know, they've got to now go play in Norman. So using this as a building block against an Oklahoma school, I think will be important. And for Kansas, I think the biggest thing in road games for them is Devon Dotson. And he was not his best, I said at the top, but I think in Norman on Tuesday, Devon Dotson's going to have to be better for Kansas to come out with a win there. So that's going to do it for us here today. 
As always, you can stay tuned to Fog.net for all sorts of great KU basketball content. We're going to have a really big feature coming at some point in the near future. I'm very excited for it. I think that it's going to be great. I've seen Scott work on it for months, it feels like now. So I'm really excited to see how that turns out at some point in the coming weeks. As always, you can follow myself on Twitter at mswain97. You can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at chasenscott. And with that said, we will talk to you Tuesday night after the Oklahoma game.